kind of like football season or something. Is that right? This is my bag left over from last week. Seriously. Anybody need some sugar? Okay. So how many of you actually did watch the Super Bowl? A oh, bunch of people did. Wow. You know, uh, can I have a sip of your coffee? I don't know what I'm saying. Hmm. That's That's my wife, if you was wondering, but people was watching online. I'm asking, hey, anybody want some sugar, you know? And they're thinking lipolated, not granulated or something, maybe. You know, but um, a good cup of coffee in the morning, a cold morning, if you're a coffee drinker, you know, could be a game changer for your attitude for the rest of the day. Almost. You think so? It could, yeah, maybe, possibly. That's what I was thinking. At least I got a sip of coffee out of that, you know. You know, according to some, as we were watching this, and I actually watched the Super Bowl. I don't always, but I watched the Super Bowl. I was involved in every little move, you know, that I could holler and carry on about. But according to some, it was the most exciting, you know, of all Super Bowls. I haven't really watched that many, so I don't really know. But according to some, it was one of the most exciting. And last week, if you'll remember, we played a little video clip of the Eagles playing the Giants. And it was touted as the greatest comeback in football. And this week, no, it, it was the greatest comeback at any Super Bowl. So it's like, wow. I think they did that just for me to have an object lesson today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know? At halftime, the Falcons were winning, what was it, 28 to 3? That's a pretty good advantage. I mean, technically, in any Super Bowl that I've heard of, game over. If you're that far ahead, that far into the game, is like game over. No one has ever made that kind of a comeback. Now, we're talking about the game changer, something that changes the game. And we're involved in the game of life, right? So as I was thinking about this, and it's pretty, pretty amazing, you know, watching those guys just playing with passion, and then four minutes before the game was over, one of the uh, Falcons, uh, he made some kind of fantastic, miraculous catch. And if he had played it just right, from those of you guys who really know, he could have won the game right there if he had known what he, he should have done. I mean, some of you are more expert than they are, I'm sure, because I've heard a lot of advice from you about football. You know, but the Patriots, um, they had history. How many times have they been to the Super Bowl? Five times. They had some history. You know what history is, you know? How many of y'all have history with God? 
Has God ever pulled through for you? Has God ever helped you out when it looked like everything was stacked against you? Have you ever experienced a game changer? And it's just like, you know what? This is nothing more than miraculous. And those patients, although, you know, I'm watching them, they didn't, you know, the first half of the game, I, I wasn't impressed, you know, by what they were doing. But you know what they kept doing? What they had read and they had practiced and they had history and they had history and they kept doing consistently what they had history with. And lo and behold, they had an amazing comeback. First time ever in Super Bowl history that was ever overtime. And uh, I'm glad I was able to watch it because it's a little part of their history. But you know something? The history that they had, they just kept on going in there and, you know, throwing it as best as they could and hitting as hard as they could and running as fast as they could and doing the plays that they knew, that they knew, that they knew. And lo and behold, they had a comeback and it paid off for them. And you know what? You and I can have a comeback. A game changer. No matter what's going on in our lives right now, I mean, God has the final say in every situation. And we got history with him. A brand new believer don't have that right off the bat. And, and the Falcons, that might be, they didn't have as much history. Maybe they didn't have as much stamina. I don't know. But those patients, they, they had some history. The Super Bowl is like, hey, we've been here four times before, you know. This is kind of like old hat, you know, or something. But they had history. They knew how to play the game. I mean, at least that's what the score at the end showed us that they did, you know. They believed that they could win. They didn't give up. Have you ever been pressed down and kind of beaten up and you almost feel like giving up on something? Well, see, they didn't give up. They just kept giving it their absolutely best, you know. And when the... Uh, Falcons fumbled. The Patriots recovered. And boy, did they recover. They just kept on and on and on and on. That's in football. And it was fun. It was exciting. But I'm more interested in the game changer that's going to affect your life tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. There's a game changer. And what we learned last week was what? What was a game changer? Does anybody remember? Please, at least one of you remember. <laughs> the game changer was faith. It changes every situation. L listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 12. Verse 21 it says, do not be overcome by evil. Is evil trying to overcome us? All the time, every day. Bombarding our thoughts, our, our actions, you know, and all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The New Living Translation says, by doing good. Booker T. Washington said, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles that he has overcome while trying to succeed. You had any obstacles? Have you overcome any of them obstacles? Think about that. Walter Payton, you don't know who he is? He's involved in some sport. Uh, Walter Payton, the most successful running back ever, knows that everyone 
even the best, get knocked down. Ever been knocked down? The key to success is to get up and run again just as hard. To get up, you know, and run just as hard. Get knocked down, you get up. You get knocked down, you, you get up. You get knocked down, you get up. And that's how the Patriots won. They kept getting back up, even if it looked like everything was stacked against them. You know, I can't imagine that they've ever experienced anything like that in any of the other Super Bowls to be so many points behind, way past halftime. They had three points to 28. But lo and behold, in the next few minutes, when they made their last touchdown, and it was just about this far over the line, too, it was 34 to 28. They were 3 to 28. I think it was, and then it was 34 to 28. Lo and behold, we have something greater than they have. I mean, they were playing awesome football, I suppose, but we have Almighty God, and we can put our faith in him. And we've got history. He's always come through for us. He's been there in our times of need. It says in uh, Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10, it says, A final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. That's, that's how we overcome. Suit up. What, what does suit up mean? Put on your armor. What's it mean on the football field? Put your armor on. <laughs> it is your uniform, but it's got these big old shoulder pads. It's got helmets. It's got spikes on the feet. You know, it's got padding everywhere. Suit up. What would happen if those guys played like they did and they didn't suit up? You seen that guy who jumped from here to that wall up in the air to go for that touchdown? It's like I'm going, ooh, I was hurting before he even landed. Like, oh, that's going to hurt, you know? That's what I was thinking. <clears throat> but he says a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Hmm. Verse 11 says put on half of God's armor. Put on all of God's armor. You what would happen if those guys on that football field had a, forgot their cleats and they were just using sneakers? They would just been slipping and sliding and, you know, they do that enough with those cleats on. But the Bible talking to us, and we're talking about the game changer, when everything seems to be stacked against us, there's a game changer. And it's faith in Almighty God. But it says, put on the armor. Put on all of God's armor. Don't leave a piece of it off so that you'll be able to do what? To stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. How many of you here own a pair of pretty decent running shoes? And put your hands up. How many of you use them regularly? Where'd them hands go? Come on now. Do running shoes help you if you don't put them on? They don't. And, and cleats on a football field don't help you if you don't put them on. Well, he says here, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. We learned last week, you know, that's faith is the game changer. And um, 
It's something that will transform each and every one of your lives who's in this room, who's down in the open in the cafe, who's out online, somewhere else in the world. Faith will transform your life and change. And even when it looks like the game is over for you, it looks like you lose, you know, I'm telling you, faith in Almighty God will transform every situation because God is mighty and He is amazing. And guess what? He loves you. And He tells us all about it right here in this book how much He loves you. And He'll work everything together for good. Everything, all things, He'll turn around working together for good for those who love Him. So, F.B. Meyer said this statement, and, and I want you to grasp He says, Unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. Now, I need two volunteers to help act this out. I just need two volunteers. It don't matter who you are. I just need two volunteers. I won't promise I won't hurt nobody, okay? I'm not going to put shaving cream on you. Here, okay, come on up here. Yeah, yeah, you know, I need two. Yeah, come on up here. Come right on up here by the goalpost. This is amazing, these guys here. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about this guy in a minute. I know who you are. And you know what? This guy snowblowed my driveway. Awesome. How about that? Okay. So, let me see. Who wants to play God? Okay. He volunteered you to be God, okay? So, you be God right here for just a moment. And you're going to be a circumstance. Now, you look at toward me. Now, I want you to come over here. Okay, y'all look so I can see how handsome you guys are. All right. Now here's God for just a moment, and here is the circumstance. Now listen to my, listen, listen to my my, uh, my little article. It says unbelief. FBI FB Myers said this. He says unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. Unbelief. I don't believe. I don't believe in God. I don't believe what God says. And unbelief, I don't believe God. Circumstances is between me and God. Can you picture that for just a moment? Yes. You know, have you ever had bad circumstances happen in your life? You, you'll get over this in just a little bit. You I'd know. rather play God now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's only going to be a bad circumstance for a few moments. Now, F.B. Meyer says, he says, unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. But faith, puts God between us and circumstances. So I want you to switch places real quick here, okay? Now here's God. I want you to look at it this way. And there are circumstances. And say, here's me. Now where do you want God in your life? You want God to be between you and bad circumstances? Or would you rather have circumstances between you and God? Now, can I talk just a, bit, a little bit about you for just a moment? Is that okay? That's right. <laughs> hey, do we have our video people up there? Is Don up there? Can you show me that picture I was going to use at the end? This is Tyler and Michelle's house. That happened this week. That's it. We didn't plan this out this way. It just kind of worked out that way. But you're here. You're healthy. You're healthy. They're kids. They're animals. They're all healthy. Have you ever had bad circumstances happen in your life? Where do you want God at? 
You want God on the outside of circumstances or you want him between you in circumstances? Okay, so we'll be praying for these guys here. And we really want to do more than just pray for them as well. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Give these guys an awesome hand. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Okay, you're no longer a bad circumstance. And you're no longer God. Okay, just so you know. Okay. Okay, thank you. That, that was awesome. Unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. Unbelief, doubt, fear, worry, anxiety. You know, faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Faith has God really near, no matter what the circumstances are on the outside. And that's where we want God. We want him really close to us, do we not? That's exactly what we want. So, just as a little reminder of where we was at last week, Hebrews eleven six says, so you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. You, you know you can't even go to heaven without faith. Did you know that? You can't. I mean, Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift to God. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It takes faith to get to heaven. It takes faith to be saved and have my sins washed away. So it says, you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. That's Hebrews eleven six. And let's look at the latter part of that verse. He says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God. You believe, and that brings God between you and circumstances, you see. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Question. How many of you would be honest with me tonight and say, I believe that God rewards those who sincerely seek him? You believe that? And you will be rewarded. But if you don't believe that God rewards those who sincerely seek him, he don't promise to reward you. He says, faith is the game changer, believing in him. Believing in him puts him between you and circumstances. Doubting him puts circumstances between you and God. He tells us here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20, it says, just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years was, with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the frim, the fringe of his robe, talking about Jesus' robe, for she thought, this woman thought, if I can just, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Twelve years she's been bleeding. If you read the whole thing, you find out that she spent all of her money on all the physicians of that day, and she just continually get worse for twelve years. But she thought, if I can just touch his Jesus' robe, I will be healed. Verse 22, Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, there's a big crowd of people everywhere. Daughter, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith, everybody say your faith. Your faith. Your faith. It was her faith in him, her faith in his goodness, her faith that he loved her enough to help her in her time of need. He said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Whose faith was it that made her well? 
hers. Faith in Almighty God is a game changer. Faith puts God between you and circumstances. Unbelief puts God on the outside of circumstances. I want God as close to me as I can get him. What about you? That's where I want him. Okay. Here's where we ended last week. I just want to read this one verse again and we'll move on. Picking up there at Matthew 9, 27, it says, After Jesus left that girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Two blind men. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them that one question, Do you believe I can make you see? They didn't say, uh, well, maybe. They didn't say that. They said, Yes, Lord. They told him, we do. These two men were in agreement. And they had heard the history of what Jesus was doing in their community. And when Jesus says in verse 29, he touched their eyes and said, would you read those next four words with me? Because of your faith. I'm telling you, faith is a game changer. Some people go, I can't believe how God let this happen to me. It's like, don't operate in fear and worry and anxiety and doubt and unbelief. That puts circumstances between you and God. But when you go, I believe that God can turn this thing around and work it together for good. Guess what? He does. He told these blind men, he says, when he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Because of your faith, it will happen. Your faith in a loving God a God who cares about you, your faith that he loves you is going to take care of you and provide for you. It changes the game no matter what's going on. When he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it'll happen. The verse 30 says, then their eyes were opened and they could see. Hmm. Now, what's happening in your life because of your faith? The woman, he said, You've been healed because of your faith. The two blind men, he says, it's because of your faith. You've been healed. What is your faith doing in this world in which we live right now? You said faith can really change things? Uh-huh. That's exactly what I'm saying. His word is full of it over and over. Faith in what he says, not just faith in a dry old book, but faith in the love letters of Almighty God that he sent to you having a relationship and knowing I got history with God. He, he cares about me. He's there for me. And I want him to be between me and every circumstance out there. I really do. Well, Galatians 5, verse 6, it says, faith, it works by love. So if, if you got faith, you got to love God first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then you got to love your neighbor as your self. It says, faith works by love. It's like Cars work by gas or diesel or by electricity, you know. They got some electric cars now. Phones work by We talked about that last week. But faith works by love. So faith can transform and change the game. But we've got to be operating in love toward God and love toward our, our neighbor if we want faith to operate because faith, it works by love. But remember this, faith works. It works by love, but it works. It genuinely works. Not just like it makes things happen, but it, it rolls up its sleeves and faith works. Amen. Grabs a shovel and puts his boots on and gloves on and faith works. Works by love, but it works. 
In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person. I mean, Jesus was drawing a pretty good crowd. Not even outside the door. I mean, the place was packed. Even, you couldn't even get to the edge of the door. And he preached the word to them. Remember, faith comes by hearing the word. So he's preaching his word. People are beginning to believe. People are beginning to cast aside their doubts and their anxieties. And they're beginning to believe. He, he said that. That sounds too good to be true, but it is true. He said that. Well, four men, they arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. I mean, that's a lot of work. You carry another full-grown man on a mat between the two of you, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty serious navigating through a crowd of people. And the place was full. So they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd. Circumstances was between them and Jesus. Can you see that? They had good intentions. They wanted to bring him to Jesus because they'd heard that Jesus heals people and they were trying to get him to Jesus, but the, the house was full outside the house. It was crowded and they were trying to get their friend to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Verse 4, they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd. So they dug the clay roof. They dug through the clay roof above his head. See, faith works. They believed that their buddy would be healed if they brought him to Jesus. So they carried him there. I don't know if it was against his will or for his will. I don't, I don't know if he was in agreement to it because he couldn't resist them because he was paralyzed. But it says they got up on top of the house and they worked. They were ripping the roof off of the place. And you got to imagine if somebody started ripping our roof off right now, We'd probably call 911 or something, right? Hey, stop that. But these four men didn't care. What did they care about? And see, faith works by love. They loved their friends so much that they weren't going to let circumstances stand between them and Jesus. So they figured if they got up on top of the roof, they were working because faith works. They was taking all the the uh, roofing off of the place, they had figured out, they found some cordage somewhere, how they could lower him down. I'm thinking like, you get four guys with four pieces of rope and you're lowering somebody down, if one lowers a little bit quicker than the other, you're going to drop a paralyzed man right on Jesus' head. You know, I mean, that's, that's complicated. If you don't think so, you try it sometime. Four ropes, four men, and you try to lower somebody at the same time. You know, Anyhow. It says they dug through the roof, the clay roof above his head. And then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. See, faith works. And they got him to Jesus because they believed that Jesus could heal him. They believed it and they wasn't going to let circumstances stop them. They figured out another way because they believed it. They had history. They had seen Jesus was a good man. He loved people. He cared about them. You know, that's what they understood. And faith, it, it works by love. And they had love for their friend. And they were going to get him to Jesus. And, and, and faith works. And I'm telling you, that's, that's what the game changer is, is faith. 
that works. <laughs> Not just sitting over on the bench and going, oh, we're behind. We'll never catch up now. <laughs> Did you see the Patriots do that? No, some of you wish they had, but they didn't. <laughs> they didn't go and sit on the bench and whine. They just like, let me up at them again. Let, just give me one more shot at them, you know. And lo and behold, faith works. And, and, and it works. It really works hard, but it works by love. And, and love motivates it and empowers it, you know. That's what, that's what the scriptures tells us. Anyhow, verse 4, it says, They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head, and then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse 5 says, would you read those three words with me? Seeing their faith. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I didn't know that faith was visible. I believe that God exists, and I believe he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I do believe that, but you can't necessarily see that kind of faith all the time, can you? You're right, you can. It transforms a man or a woman. It changes. And if you've got faith... It becomes obvious in your life. And, and, and Jesus said, seeing their faith, genuine faith can be seen. Genuine faith can be seen. And, and, and genuine faith, there's actions that correspond to it, you know. Their faith was working because of their love. It says, seeing their faith, who's he talking about? Not the one guy on the mat. He's already sitting in front of Jesus, or laying in front of Jesus. He says, seeing their faith, the guys whose big old goofy mugs is looking down through the roof. Hey, <laughs> didn't mean to bother nobody. <laughs> yes, we did mean to, as a matter of fact. Hi. And Jesus, he says, seeing their faith. They had faith, because faith works. When you believe something, there is corresponding works. It goes along with it. And there's love for God and love for your fellow man when that's happening. Faith works. And it was very obvious they carried him there. It was very obvious that they got him up on the roof without killing him. And it was very obvious they lowered him down through the roof once they tore it off. And Jesus said, seeing their faith. It was their deeds that was visible. Seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 11, speed up the whole process here. Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The religious leaders are going, who do you think you are? You, you can forgive sin? Who do you think you are, God or something? And Jesus says, what's the difference between me saying your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? And he turned to the man and said, hey, take up your mat and go on home. And everybody's like, oh, wow, this is the Son of God. But God sees your faith. And other people, as they're looking, they can see your faith, or they can see your doubt, your anxiety, your worry, your fear. It becomes obvious. But it says their faith was visible because of what they were doing, you see. That's the game changer. All things are possible to those who believe. All things, everything is possible to those who believe. It really is. I didn't make that up. It's right here over and over and over and over and over and over. It's possible to those who believe. So what we want to do is what those football players are doing. They practice. They practice. They practice. 
They practiced. They exercised. They, they worked out. They put on their armor. <laughs> suit up. And we need to suit up and we need to practice and we need to get familiar with the, the playbook over and over and over where we can believe the captain of our salvation when he tells us something and it don't even look like... I mean, there's a lot of people, people I know who are really into football who really know they had given up on the Patriots. They really had. How many of you... Consider just going on to bed because you didn't want to watch the end of it. Okay, put your hands back down real quick so everybody don't see it. There was a good crowd in here. And some of them did go to bed. <laughs> and then either somebody woke him up in the middle of the night or when he got up, it's like, oh no, I missed a miracle. <laughs> but see, it ain't over. It ain't over just because circumstances is between you and God. Get God between you and circumstances. Believe what he says. Be willing to do whatever he says. Your senses might say, well, I can't afford to do that, or I can't do this, or I can't do that, or I can't do this. But what does God say? What about the guys on the football team? Well, I know our coach has been saying, but we never had to deal with this situation like this. These guys are embarrassing us here at the Super Bowl. They're whipping our pants right off us. Them Falcons are flying all over the place. Is that what they did? I said, nope. Our coach taught us this, and we're going to keep doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. They didn't throw the playbook out in the middle of the game, did they? They continued with it. Then what happened? Lo and behold, they won. It was absolutely a comeback. It was a shocker to everybody. It was a shocker to me. It really was. I was surprised, you know. I won't pick on you guys again. Y'all were very good sports. <clears throat> Hmm. You know what this is, right? Years ago, years, many years ago, just stay right there, okay? Oh, see that? That's the way they can tell if somebody was alive or not. What? He's alive. You can tell. Is that okay if I... He's alive. It's obvious. Left marks on Y'all seen that kind of stuff? Doctors in the old timey days, they'd put a mirror. Oh, he's alive. They weren't sure until they put the mirror there. You know what I'm saying? You say, what does that have to do with anything? I don't have a clue, but it didn't seem like it'd be fun. <laughs> James chapter... 2 verse 14, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions, you know, by your works? That kind of faith can't save anyone if you don't have any works along with it. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing, and you say, well, goodbye. And you say it very religiously, too. Goodbye. God bless you and stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. 
What good does that do? See, James put the mirror of God's word under their nose. That's what, that's what happened there, you know? And if, if, if it's marked by their works, if works appear, oh, oh look, look, what, look, look at the roof is coming off of the house. There was marks there, were there not? Everybody said, well, those men have faith. Well, how do you know they got faith? Look, look at the shingles flying. It was obvious. You know, it's just like there's something happening here. They're alive. Now, listen to what it says here. See, if, if no works appear in your life, your faith is dead. You're a goner. You know what I'm saying? James, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, so you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself, faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is not faith at all. It is dead and useless. So the doctors of years gone by would see if a person, oh, he's leaving marks there. He's alive. But it's like, are there good deeds? Is there good works coming from your life? Hey, he, she's alive. But it's like, I ain't seen any, any good deeds. Spiritually, they're dead. So the Bible's telling us there's no faith in operation there, you see. Once again, so you see, it, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is not faith at all. It is dead and useless. Now, does anybody here remember there was an uh, airplane built by Howard Hughes many years ago? Great big old thing. What was it? Spruce Goose. You know why they called it Spruce Goose? 97% of the airplane was made out of wood. Laminated wood, equivalent of plywood, made out of birch, not spruce, but spruce goose sounded better than birch goose. You know. <laughs> Spent millions and millions of dollars building that airplane. The airplane weighed 200, down here somewhere, 250,000 pounds. And the airplane could carry another 175 pounds of goods. And, and the only reason they built it is because right at that point, it's World War II, everything that we sent over by ship to Germany, they blew it up. So we we're trying to figure out a way to ferry our soldiers over there with supplies, including tanks, and get the guys back and forth and back and forth. So we was working on this airplane. It's made out of wood. I mean, it's, it's still around. Some of you may have seen it before in real life. But, I mean, it's pretty amazing, wasn't it? Let's just take a peek at it real quick. Do we have that? Just a few seconds of it anyhow. This is a spruce goose. The wings are longer than a football field. At Kitty Hawk, the plane that took off, it could have took off and flown from one edge of the the tip of the wing, and landed before it got to the fuselage. That's how far the Wright Brothers plane flew, how big that one is. It's massive. You see it flying?
millions and millions of dollars were invested in that plane and it only flew one time for 60 seconds and you saw it. You are so valuable and God wants us to work and to accomplish something for more than 60 seconds. He genuinely does. And I think about all the time and the energy and effort that was put into that thing, and then it had a 60-second flight, and then it went to a museum. Do you think that's what God has in store for your life? I don't think that's what he has in store for you at all, you know. Have you ever, anybody here ever been in a uh, department store somewhere and somebody's over there you, out of the corner of your eye and you say, uh, sir, can I, and you find out it's one of those dummies. Those, those, anybody ever talked to a mannequin? I'm the only one who ever did that. I see, thank you. I see a few other little hands kind of, yeah. You don't want to admit it. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, sir, can you, knock, knock. Sounds like what, you know? Does that represent you? You know that thing is wearing the, the nicest of clothes, but it ain't alive. Do you know what I'm talking about? It ain't alive. You know? Here. He's dead. No breath. But spiritually, are you alive? Are you like a mannequin? Are you like the spruce goose? You're not doing anything. See, the game changer is faith in God. And along with faith in God, there's got to be works motivated by love for God and love for our fellow man. And then faith works and transforms and brings a comeback and it changes everything. Genuinely does. Let me, let me continue here in the book of James. James chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was declared right with God because of what he, what does I say? Abraham, the father of faith, he was right with God because what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, he was trusting God. That's what faith, that's believing, you see. He was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. I wonder if you were willing to do whatever God told you to do. Well, tell me what it is. I'm serious. I have heard that so many times. Well, what does God want me to do? Then I'll decide if I'm going to do it or not. See, what God likes to hear, he wants you to trust him. So you just kind of give him a blank check and say, just fill it in. Whatever you want me to do, I've already agreed to it. Because you know he loves you more than anybody else. And you can... Absolutely trust him. Anyhow, it says here, verse 22, it says, You see, he was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And your faith and my faith is made complete by what we do. If we say we trust God and then we act like we don't, our faith is not made complete. It ain't working, you see. But it says his faith was made complete by what he did by his What's that word? Actions. Actions is the marks on the mirror. Actions, oh, God sees it. Our faith is visible, you see. 
<clears throat> it says in verse 23, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God. So God declared him to be righteous. God said, you're forgiven. You're right with me. Everything's cool. You're, you're friends with me because of his faith, you see. And there was corresponding actions that echoed what he believed. It was very obvious. Anybody who held up a mirror to Abraham go, oh, he's alive, man. He's doing good, you know. He's doing what God says to do. His faith was obvious because of his actions, you see. You say you believe something and you don't abide by it? You say you believe the hope? Well, I, I believe this word. Uh-huh. Well, that one's just too difficult. I don't, I don't really believe that one, you know. Whether you say you do or don't, it's obvious by your actions what you do. And God's looking for men and women who just do whatever he tells them to do. That's where you get the game changer. That's when all things are working together for good for those who love him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You'll do what I ask you to do. That's what he tells us there. Anyhow, verse 23 again. He says, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God because of his faith. And God, we saw several examples, and there's many more where it says, and, and Jesus saw their faith. Our faith is obvious. Just as I can see the, the marks on the mirror, God sees our faith, you see. And faith is a game changer. So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. See, our, 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 our doing must correspond with what we say we believe. Rahab the prostitute is another example of this. She was made right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different route. Now, you had never seen two people more different in the whole wide world. Abraham, who we just read about there, you know. Abraham was the father of the Jews. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a godly man. Rahab had been a harlot. Abraham was a friend of God. Rahab lived with the enemies of God. You see, what did they have in common? They both demonstrated faith in God by their works. And she was forgiven and given another chance, you see. I'm talking about a game changer for a harlot who wasn't a harlot no more. She was forgiven and cleansed and made right with God because what she believed she acted upon. Verse 26 goes on to say, Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is, what does that say? Dead without spirit good deeds. Now, I want to show you all something here. You see these? Who would like, who would like these when I'm done with it? You might need a good pair of scissors. You would? When you leave, the ushers will have a pair for every one of you at the door, okay? She's going, what are we going to have to cut for you? <laughs> Just a, Well, there's a lot of lessons you can learn with scissors, is there not? 
But you know something? This one over here and this one over here, they're working together. This one here is faith. This one here is works. And when you got them both, you can accomplish what they were created to do. You know what I'm saying? Those are really cool. But I want you to take those home when you leave today. And I want you to remember, every time you see those scissors or any other scissors, like faith and works, if my faith and works aren't working together, you ain't making no marks on the mirror. You know what I'm saying? It's dead. And that's not what we want to do, is it? We want to be alive. Don't you want to have a comeback? Don't you want all the angels of heaven to stand up in the grandstands and cheer you? Woo, did you look what she did? Did you see what he did? Woo! And that's what they're doing. Did you know that? The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing. Did you know that? Did you know they can see you right now? I'm telling you the truth. It talks about seeing that there's a great cloud of witnesses who've gone on before us, and they're in the grandstands, and they're cheering us on, so let us lay aside the sin and all those weights that distract us and, and, and get us off balance and run the race that God has set before us. Run for one. Run for Jesus. Run your race. Do what you're doing for Jesus. Fall in love with him. May you believe everything he says. If the whole rest of the world says, you are cuckoo, you are crazy. Well, well, with the circumstances that's going on in my life, I can't really obey God, right? You want circumstances to be your closest companion? Or do you want God to be your closest companion? When we're living in doubt and fear and worry and anxiety, circumstances are our closest companion. But when a man believes, God comes between him and his circumstances and changes those circumstances. That's just the way it is. Okay, let me see here. All right, one more verse. Let's look over here at uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teachings, this is Jesus talking, says, anyone who listens to my teachings... And does what? And obeys me is wise. Do you think that the coach determined those guys out there on the field said, that guy listened to me and he obeyed what I told him to do even though he thought there was a better way of doing something? He listened to the playbook and the instructions I gave him and he's doing it just the way I asked him to do it. Do you think that coach thinks that that player is wise? And he's going to get him off the bench. He's going to play him. But if someone every once in a while, some hot shot's just thinking about themselves and tries to do something different, he's going to sit on the bench a long time. But it says here, anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, It won't collapse because it's built on a rock, a game changer, you see. We're talking about your life. Is your life built upon a rock? The alternative is to be built on the sand. The scripture goes on to say, if a person hears God's word and doesn't act upon it, 
His life is built upon the sand. And when the storms come, and they will come, when they come, great will be the fall of your house if your house is built on the sand. You're not going to see much of a game changer there when you hear what God says, but you don't act upon it. So your faith ain't making any marks. Ah! That should scare us. But our faith should be making marks. There should be corresponding action. There should be works going along with what we believe, you see. And he's telling us there, you listen to my teachings and obey them. You're building your house upon a rock. I'm not going to go into all it now. You can read it later on. But he goes on to say, and if you hear what I'm telling you to do in my word, and you ignore and don't act upon it, you're building your house on the sand. And when the storm comes, and it will come to all of us, it's going to be blown away. And that's not what we want to do, is it? So the game changer that will change, I mean, how do you like this guy? He's overcoming, man. <laughs> overcoming all the obstacles. I like that to represent us spiritually, that we're overcoming obstacles. God says to dive, okay? It don't sound, didn't he tell Peter to step out of a boat one time? Could you see, could you see anything on the mirror? Yeah, water, because he stepped out. And he's, you know, he's walking with Jesus. He did it, would you? Well, I believe that you would. But you just read through here and you get familiar with him and see what he's telling you right now. You go, well, no, I'm not going to really pray. Or I'm not going to really study. I'm not going to talk about my, I'm not going to really do anything the Bible says. Would you really step out of the boat? That'd be awesome to walk on water, don't you? You know, I'm going to get to do it one day. I know that. I don't know about here, but in heaven. I have actually walked on water before. I probably haven't told you all that. Because this time of the year, it was frozen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but one day, maybe once with the temperatures warm. I don't know. Anyhow, I want us to pray together right now. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we want a game changer. We want to have an awesome comeback. We don't want to just sit on the bench filled with anxiety and worry and doubt. We want to believe that the best is yet to come. We genuinely do because that's what you say in your word, that your plans are for us are good and not evil to give us hope and to give us a future. That's what you said. Lord, though we may have had some battles and may got knocked down and we may have had some storms, but we thank you, Almighty God, that we're building on rock. We're building on rock. And we are determined to believe you and trust you no matter what you say, because you are good. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to just to reaffirm your faith with me right now. And those who are here, maybe who've never really expressed their faith in God at all, would you join us as well? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe that you sent Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he paid for all of my sins. 
and that he rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door wide. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for the times I've been full of doubt. But I choose this day to believe and to trust in you. And I welcome you into every area of my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, what I'm going to do right now, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody or to pressure anybody, but what I would like to do, if our ushers, before we give away our, our scissors back there, are you kind of prepared? Yes. I would like to take an offering. You rarely see that offering, but I'm going to take an offering for these guys over here. Is that okay? You have to say yes. It's okay. All right. Thank you. Because wouldn't you want somebody to help you? And I'm sure they're going to find some help. You know, their insurance will probably help them out there. But, you know, that takes a long time to get squared away. And they didn't know I was going to do this, so they probably wouldn't have come, you know. But I just think... That's what Jesus would do. And I've been planning on preaching this tonight no matter what. But it just seems to be so on target where we're at at this moment. So we have an opportunity to act upon this right now. And if you're writing a check out, you can write it to Faith Living Church. Whatever comes in, we're going to give it to these guys here to help them as they get reestablished, build a house, move, whatever it takes to do, you know. And... Uh, I might do it again next week because if we get snowed out tomorrow, won't nobody be here, you know? So, you know, and if you say, well, I'm not really prepared tonight, but during the week. Because I just think God wants us to bless them. What do you think? I really do. I really do. So I'd like, uh, if our ushers come, come on up right now at this point, with your buckets, and we're just going to pass the, the, the bucket. And you guys don't have to put anything in it, okay? Okay. Don't go ahead and pass it. I know I kind of put you on the spot, but maybe you want to wait till next week when you're prepared and you have something, and we're going to do that again. But I just know that's what God wants us to do tonight. We're going to put some works with our faith. You know, we're going to plant some seeds to be a blessing to them. And uh, I think we can all be thankful that it wasn't our house that was burned down. Is that right? You know, but, you know, we can help those because... I mean, you know, they got their family, their animals, and that's the most valuable thing that you could possibly get. But how many other personal items, pictures, photographs, all the other kinds of things that you might have there? Lord have mercy, my computer was gone. That's like 37 years of all my studies wrapped up in that little thing, you know? That's gone forever. So I, I appreciate your generosity here. And as they're wrapping that up back in the back right now, if you have some needs tonight, you like some prayer, our altar is open. We'll pray for you. And uh, if you accepted Christ a while ago when we were praying, 
uh, if you go to the connections desk and you can pick up a gift bag, it's got a Bible, it's free, and a Bible and all kinds of other little goodies that would inspire your faith, and a, a cup, a mug, you know, beautiful mug that we had made up just as a gift to you, okay, uh, for who are our guests. And uh, just of our way of saying that we, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you come back. And uh, let's see what finally, oh, the, the uh, weekly challenge. If you choose to agree with this, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. It says, I am determined to daily demonstrate what I believe by my actions. People should be seeing you all day long leaving marks. They should see you leaving marks. They never mistake you for a dummy, okay? Like I did that mannequin once upon a time. But they should see your actions correspond what you say you believe. All right, thank you for your generosity tonight. Please be careful with them scissors because these are very sharp and they got points on them. And I think we might have some rounded ones for the kids. Is that right? So we're going to try to give the... And even if you're an adult... And your wife says we should give you the rounded ones. That's what we're going to do. Okay. God bless you. You are dismissed. Feel free to use the elevator. It's in. God bless you. You're dismissed.